What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. It's been a while. Sorry, I've been busy. I wanted to share with you all today our business of booth rental power session. So if you're not familiar with what a power session is, a power session is a 90-minute group coaching session that I offer weekly in my mastermind group. If you're not familiar with what Mastermind is, the Network Mastermind is my online education and coaching group where I am able to do group coaching with hundreds of amazing stylists who are absolutely incredible and who are on the journey of growing their business. Everybody's in a different stage. You know, we have some new stylists, we have some salon owners, we have some booth renters, we have some educators, and I'm able to help them in a group coaching setting on Zoom every single week where we connect and we do Q&A and we focus on different business topics. And the most recent class that we did was the business of booth rental. I'm really passionate about doing a course like this because I really feel there is not a lot of education on booth rental. It's still relatively new to the beauty industry. People have been booth renting forever, but now it's more popular than ever. And I really felt like the industry was missing a course on it. So I created one. So this course is a three video course. The first part of the course is booth rental for stylists. We talk about the pros and cons. We talk about how to go booth rental. We talk about taxes. We talk about, uh, you know, what it takes to be booth rental as a stylist. We talk about it all. The next video is booth rental for salon owners. So whether you're a booth rental salon owner, whether you want to be, whether you're an employee-based salon owner and you want to see what other options are out there or you want to see what you're up against, you know, all of us have competition in a healthy sense. Like it's really good to kind of see what other people are doing or what the mindset is or what the questions are, what the concerns are, what your customer is looking for. And then after that, we do a Q&A session about booth rental followed by a week later, another Q&A session. So this course is available. You can get the course for 30 days. It's $100, so it's $99. And you can enjoy it for 30 days. It's very easy to consume. And it also has a spreadsheet on how to calculate booth rent, where we go over it. So what I'm about to play for you is our power session that we did this morning. Today's Wednesday, April 27th. We did the session this Wednesday because I was teaching in Chicago on Monday. Usually the power sessions are on Mondays. And uh, the session is wonderful. You know, we just had a very small group of people and we did some Q&A and I answered some questions about booth rental that were kind of lingering and remaining. And then everything was uploaded right into Mastermind for them. If you want access to all of my education, I highly recommend joining Mastermind. You'll have access to a majority of all of my courses. Um, You'll have access to the business of booth rental, the business of color correction, pricing essentials, tons of hair videos, all kinds of amazing content. But the big value in Mastermind is every single week, I am your coach. I'm here for you. You can talk to me directly. You can ask me a question on Zoom. We can keep in touch and follow up. You and I can build a connection. I can keep track of you. I can follow your journey and help you as your coach. Um, And it's only $50 a month, which I just think is like such an incredible price uh, for coaching and for support and community and not to mention the 100 hours of video content, which is totally optional. You know, I, I know there's a lot of courses out there. I know we don't have a ton of time. I really do focus on having a program that's easy for the busy stylist to consume. So all of our power sessions are recorded. Those are the 90 minute Q&A coaching sessions. Uh, we have some guests on there. There's like, I, I think like over 50 power sessions recorded and saved so that you can listen to them like your own private podcast. So 
The value is incredible. I know you'll love it, but I'm going to play for you an example of what a power session looks like. Again, we have a very tiny, tiny group on this one. I think we had like 10, 15 people on and we did some Q&A and it was still a wonderful time. So I hope you enjoy. I hope to see you in Mastermind. And if you are interested in purchasing the business of Booth Rental, like if you don't want to join Mastermind and you only want to get the course, that is an option too. You can go right on Instagram and hit the link in my bio and the course will come up. You can purchase it and have access for 30 days with unlimited replays for 30 days, or you can always join Mastermind. If you want to join, go ahead and visit www.thenetworkmastermind.com. You can see all the options, get all the infos, and I hope to see you there. I really love connecting with you all. I love helping you on your journey, love helping you grow. So I know I missed the podcast. I wanted to give you guys something. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful rest of your week. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. Good morning, everybody. We're here for our mastermind power session following the business of booth rental. So this session is going to be a general Q&A session about booth rental followed by a regular power session. So we've got a nice tiny little group today. We had a wonderful class last week. It was amazing. Um, And I wanted to just share some time to answer any remaining questions about booth rental. We covered so much. So our class was all about going booth rental as a stylist. We talked about the pros and cons. As a salon owner, we talked about the pros and cons. We talked about how to go booth rental. We talked about some of the challenges you might face. And then we had a great Q&A session after. So I'd love to open it up to anybody in the group who would like to share if they have any questions, if they had any breakthroughs, if they have any questions about our booth rental, their booth rental business, anything going on that they wish I had covered. And if we don't have any questions, because we have a tiny little group, what I'm going to do is utilize um, some questions that I have. So I'm just going to give you a minute or two if you're on and you have a question. Um, Let's see. Awesome. Okay, great. So if you have any questions, please feel free to go ahead and raise your hand or you can ask them in the chat. Let's see. All right. So again, we've got a teeny tiny little group this morning, which is totally fine. I know our sessions on a Wednesday this week, I was teaching in Chicago on Monday. So I moved this one over to Wednesday. So I'm just going to go through and answer a few questions that I have prepared. So the first question is, what is something you wish someone would have told you in school before you went into booth rental? That's one of the questions that I got. And, um, you know, I always talk about this. uh, Anyone can go booth rental, like anybody can do it. Um, Whether you're successful, whatever that means to you or not, that's different. But anybody can do this. You can find a chair, you can make rent, you can do hair. 
Um, it's definitely something I would recommend to someone three to five years out of school. Some people grow really, really quickly. They grow really quickly out of school. They already have a clientele. They're doing hair in their basement. You know, I've seen it all. I've seen people grow really, really quickly in the industry. And I've seen people become very, very successful in the industry very quickly, like right from school. So I've seen it. And there's definitely those, I call them like unicorn people who, you know, they just have the personality, they have the obsession, the follow through, and they make it happen. You know, they, they get it done and they go booth rental and they're very successful. Now, this wasn't the case for me. Um, this isn't the case for a lot of people and it does take time to build. So I always recommend like three to five years out of school before you take that leap. Um, I think that if you're consistently booked, hi, Nina, if you're consistently booked and you are looking at your schedule and like going forward, you're booked in the past, you're booked and it's consistent. I think that's like the number one thing you don't want to jump into it. If you just have huge gaps in your book, if you're going to lose a lot of people and we lose a lot of people all different ways, you know, we can maybe not be giving the best guest experience. We can jump our prices too high. Um, when the value isn't there, we cannot be giving a great experience. I think I already said that. Um, or we can move really far away. You know, I had a renter who just ended up leaving the network. And the reason being is she found a place closer to home. You know, she was about an hour away. And that's a really far drive to build a booth rental business. You can do it. Like you can do anything if you really want to. But it is quite difficult and it takes a lot of work to do that. So if I were speaking to a class of beauty school students and one and one raiser and it said, I want to go booth rental right away, I would say, give yourself some time to build, give yourself some time to gain some experience, because a lot of the time, like, you know, when you're booth rental and you have your own business, you're handling all the bookings, you're handling hair services that you might not be an expert at yet. Like you haven't seen everything yet. So I think that having, giving yourself a few years to get some experience will really, really help. I feel it could be much harder, but again, you can do anything. So I say, give yourself experience, make sure you're booked consistently. It doesn't have to be hundred percent, but consistently booked and make sure that you have the drive and motivation that it's going to take to own your own business, because that's really what it is. Um, another question that I got is, do you really make more money booth renting? And I really think it's relative. I really think that as a commission artist, you can make a great amount of money. Um, and when you're booth rental, if you really think about it, like you're going to be paying yourself commission, you're going to be paying yourself a piece of what you do. So depending on the benefits you give yourself, like if you're going to give yourself time off, if you're going to pay for education, if you're going to get yourself health insurance, dental, vision, 401k, retirement, you know, that percentage that goes into your bank account after taxes to spend does get smaller and smaller and smaller. So it is relative. So if you're going into it and you're booking a ton of clients, 35, 40 hours a week, and you're busy and you're taking all that money, but you've got no insurance. If an emergency happens, you're screwed and you're going to drain your bank account, right? Like you don't really have that uh, set up for yourself. Then yeah, you're going to take home a bigger percentage of the money, right? But 
an emergency happens that could set you back if you don't have insurance or, you know, maybe you decide to take a class, you're going to have to end up paying for the class. And that's great. But, you know, it's how you're getting paid and it's relative. So I think that people who want to go booth rental really have to want that freedom, flexibility, and they have to possess that like entrepreneurial, like motivation that like, nobody's going to come do it for you. Nobody's going to come save you. So commission booth rental team base, all the different models, like one's not bad, you know, it really depends on the individual. And I think that, you know, times have changed in a sense of, you know, we have more exposure on social media to more we have more exposure on social media to see what everyone's doing and people go out of their way to like flex, to share all of the highlights, everything cool that they're doing. I was watching a documentary yesterday. Um, there's a really cool bird outside my house. I don't even look at birds, but it's like bright ass blue. I've never seen anything like that. Holy shit. Okay. That is so crazy. So I was watching this documentary. And they were talking about, it was the Firefest documentary, which I've watched like three times. Like I am just obsessed with how people get away with a scam like that. Like, and how people can do that. And I'm like, just really into like, I love like crime and like those kinds of documentaries. I'm sure some of you love it too, but I was watching the documentary and they were saying that there's a jet company that rents out the jet for two hours. It stays on the ground and influencers can pay to take, have a photo shoot on the jet and they can use those photos for whatever, but they're posting them and like putting out there that they're like on this private jet and they're so great and like whatever, you know, we're exposed to like a fake alternate reality. Like we're exposed to just everybody's curation of what they're doing. So I think as humans, we want, 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 want more. And some of us might jump into that business model or lifestyle and realize, whoa, this isn't what I want. This is way too much responsibility. This is way too much stress. This is, you know, I've seen a lot of people go back. Uh, not, it's not even back. I've seen people shift back, uh, shift to commission, shift to salon ownership, shift from salon ownership to commission, shift from salon ownership to booth rental. Some people go in steps, like, you know, they start as an assistant, then they work on commission and then they go independent. And then they maybe open a suite with a few people. And then maybe they open a salon and then they get to the end and they're like, this isn't what I even wanted. They kind of lose themselves. And it's like more, 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 more. And it's like, what do I even want? You know? So I think that the question of, do you really make more money? It is relative, you know, because you can make great money working on commission with a lot less stress, but maybe you hate being told what to do. Maybe you hate having, uh, something so, uh, set and concrete, you know, that maybe that's just like, not the type of person you are, but you love the job security. So when you go booth rental, you're going to have probably the challenge of consistency and holding a schedule and giving yourself some kind of schedule, you know? So anyways, I always get that question. Like, do you get, make more money or is it worth it? Or I'm sick of my salon owner taking half. It's like, you know, as a salon owner myself, like 
I, I gave as much as I possibly could to my employees and I took home a great paycheck because I did hair, you know, and I always was hurt when people wanted more money because they never would understand unless they actually looked at my books because I would not only pay them whatever their commission rate was uh, or whatever their salary was with team-based, I would not only pay them that, I would be paying their payroll taxes, which they don't have to pay. You know, they'll pay a portion of it, but you know, when you go independent, you're paying those taxes. Um, so I'm covering a portion of their taxes and they never understand that. Like you'll never understand that until you actually have to pay, right? You'll never understand until you actually have to write a check instead of getting a check. Like you just never understand until it's you and you never think you make enough money to do, to have that happen. And then you do, and you're just like, oh, this sucks. And everybody hates it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I offered health insurance, I paid into their 401k and it costs money to like set all this up. And it costs money to have like a manager help you keep everything on track. So it's not all screwed up. And so it's actually working. Um, you know, I put a fortune on the shelves so that they can sell retail and have an extra revenue, um, paid for education, like all of these things, like I was paying for the business was paying for. And yes, it came from a portion of their sales. Cause that's what the business income is. But I always felt like a lot of shame around making money and making profit. Cause I always felt people wanted more from me. And I think that, you know, that came from like one of my own insecurities. So it's not always like everyone's banging down the door asking for more money, but it's just like how I relate to them could have a lot to do with it too. So Jenny asked, what things do you suggest somebody have set up, saved, organized before going from individual booth rent to opening a rental space of their own? So a booth rental salon isn't really that profitable. Um, it's really not as somebody who owns one. Um, especially if you have payroll, like managers helping you. So like the network itself, the chair rental, like I have 26 chairs and they all get rented out for like a little over a thousand dollars a month. So it's around 30,000 a month in revenue. My overhead is like 40,000, you know, when it comes to rent, all of the expenses that uh, rent utilities, insurance, uh, payroll, the owner's payroll, like I take a payroll from that. So you, yes, you can make a profit from it, but if you don't have like 26 chairs, if you don't have a big space and if they're not full, it could get really hairy, really quick. So in the beginning, like you're doing everything, right. You also need a cleaner, you know, and if you want assistance and you're going to take your time away from being a salon owner and being behind the chair to train an assistant, that's a whole other job. And the assistant is going to want to go commission or want to move up. So then you're going to not even have a booth rental. You're going to have a hybrid salon and you're going to be like, this isn't what I wanted in the first place. And that, ha that has happened to me so many times. Cause I will like take a risk on people. And like, I end up like resenting it. I'm like, I want a booth rental salon. Like you have to go booth rent. You have to go work somewhere else. Like I, I can only train you to a certain point and then you're on your own. Um, when I opened the network, you know, I was teaching full-time, uh, like not full-time, like not every single day I was teaching every day, like marketing on Instagram, um, teaching in mastermind and traveling and teaching. So yeah, pretty much full-time I was educating and, when I opened, I had a lot of money that I put into the business. So I had, I would say 
it really depends on the space you're looking at, what the build out costs, because that could be different for every single person. So like I would look at, you know, it, it's really, it's really, uh, Jenny, it's a question depending on like what kind of space that you want, how much that is, how much the build out's going to be. And I always say double the budget for the build out because it's always more. It's always more. Um, I would definitely say have a business plan set up. If you go back and watch, uh, you know, the previous booth rental videos, like having a business plan, you might not work off of it every second of every day, but having your entire plan set up of what you need to do. Um, I would have an LLC. I would have an accountant and an attorney who are like with you on this and who like treat you like a client, like a customer, uh, or like, uh, you know, most client, most attorneys and lawyers, good ones will have the heart of a teacher and they will have, they'll consult with you. So if you meet with them, it's a consulting fee. It's, it's like, I'll meet with my financial advisor, Dave for an hour. And he's more consulting me on what to do and making sure everything's organized on the back end. So some people who know your situation, who know your books very, very well would be great, but you know, depending on the space that you want, you know, the network build out over three years has cost me over 250,000. And the only way I have that money is from teaching full-time. And I took out about hundred thousand dollar business loan, you know, so I'm not a huge fan of debt, but I had no choice because when we did our expansion, it was, I either take the space or I'm going to lose it forever. So I kind of pushed myself to do it because I knew we needed to grow but I really try to do it without debt. But the way that I am able to generate that kind of revenue is because of education. And a lot of people don't have that, which I'm completely aware of. So it would, I would say, save as much money as you can and live on nothing, beans and rice, like, you know, live on nothing and save as much as you can. And then look at how much you have and what the budget you have is. So I would save for a few years. You know, if you rely completely on taking on a whole bunch of debt, it's like you're going to be a slave to that. So I recommend having a lot saved. For GBH, I saved up 25 grand. I signed a lease and part of the lease was the build out was partially included. And then we did a lot of it. So if you have family or friends that could help you or whatever, but you know, you have to go get quotes from all the contractors. It really depends on what you're doing. You know, and the furniture, you can price out all the furniture on Minerva, but then you have to figure out how much the booth rent is going to be and if it's going to be profitable and how much you're going to work behind the chair, what you're going to do for retail for that revenue stream. You know, there's a lot. So if you want to unmute and ask any more questions, like specific questions, I'd love to answer them for you. But what other questions do you all have about booth rental? I can keep pulling a few up. And then at 1030, if we don't have a lot of questions, we can end and just move into like a regular power session. So if we can keep it like kind of focused on booth rental, that would be amazing. Um, and then at 1030, if the questions die out a little bit, we'll go right into our general session.
So here's another question. So I've been working in a booth rental salon for about two years and my clientele has gone through many ups and downs. Sometimes I'll go book out, I'll go booked out. And then other times I have barely two a week, if that. Would you a season, what would you a season stylist recommend? Would you recommend still freelancing or sticking with booth rental? I know I have many options to do commission, but I've had bad experiences before and made barely any money. So suggestions, please. So for this person, I would recommend them looking at their numbers because I guarantee if we look at their numbers, they are going to have a low client retention and probably non-existent or low pre-book. When you have a guest in your chair, they always say today's service is tomorrow's traffic. So if you have a guest in your chair right now, you have to do everything you can to get them scheduled for their next appointment. Now, not every single person should pre-book. If you don't want them on your books, don't pre-book them. If they're not the ideal customer that you don't want to see, don't pre-book them because they're going to take away space for your ideal customer and they can hit you up and you can uh, pop them in if you have time, right? But I think there's a disconnect in her service flow. I think there's a disconnect in her service experience. Um, and I'm just, I just put out a class I'm doing July 10th. It's called creating a raving fan customer base about how to make your clients addicted to you. I'm doing a five hour business workshop at the network. Um, it's my first business workshop I'm doing in a really long time because every time I do a business only class without hair, like people don't get tickets. Like it's like, they need a hair technique to go with it, but I really want to focus on a solid class on how to create a raving fan customer base and help you with your retention. So I would say, look at your guest retention, look at your productivity, look at your um, pre-book, and I would strive to get those numbers to 80%. You know, new guests, it's going to be around 65%. Some new guests, it just doesn't work out. But your existing guests, if it's in the low 70s or like if it's in the 70s or lower, you have a huge problem. Like your existing guests need to be coming back. And I would run those reports on a, a scale of 90 days if you're booking four to six weeks out. And I would run them looking 120 days if you're booking eight to 12 weeks out. So I would look at your numbers and like, how do you improve your pre-book, right? How do you fix that? Get the pre-book during the consultation. So like you're doing your fresh consultation for every single guest, every single time you're connecting with them. You're excited about their hair today. And you just say, okay, perfect. This is going to need to be maintained eight weeks from now. I see you're here on a Saturday. Do you like Saturdays? Because they're booking up really quick. And I want to make sure you get the day and time that you want. So I'm going to book that in now. If you have to make any changes, just give me as much notice as possible. And I'll work you in because you're in my books. And get the pre-book then. If you wait until the end and say, do you want to make another appointment? No, you, you, you failed. You know, they're going to be like, let me check my schedule or I'll let you know, or I'll call or I'll book online. Online booking should be online booking is best for new clients who want to book into your schedule. They can book a consultation or they can book one of your color packages or whatever you do. Um, that's clearly described. You have plenty of time. The price is there and they pay a deposit. The card goes on file. Then when they come in and they've proven to be a good loyal guest, you pre-book everybody. Easy. It does not have to be so complicated. So pre-booking is huge. And I would strive to pre-book every single person. I would settle for an 80% and up pre-book rate. 
And how you get that is out of all the guests that I've seen this week, how many have a future appointment? So you can keep a tally, pen and paper, or you could run a report with whatever software you have. But not keeping track of it is just one way for you to just slowly let that clientele diminish away. The next thing is your existing client retention. So your existing client retention is all of the guests who normally come see you. Like we want to pre-book them. We want to give them a new consultation every time. We want to keep them excited about their hair. We want to keep them excited about the service. We want to be talking about the next visit during the, the current visit. And we want to make sure we're thanking them and treating them like gold, selling them retail. I know that people don't like to sell retail, but honestly, like the more they buy from you, the more frequency of purchase, the more loyal they'll become. Right. So the next thing is also your new guest retention. So new guest retention being at 65%, that's a really good percentage to be at. So same advice for your existing clients is for your new clients. However, your follow-up needs to happen. So after a few days, you need to reach out and see if they like their hair, how their experience was, do they need anything and provide that amazing service for them and make sure they feel comfortable coming back, sharing if something wasn't right. Um, and making sure they have a future visit scheduled. So your existing guest retention or your new guest retention, I'm sorry, new guest retention, like will fall off. If, you know, if you didn't do a great job, if they don't like it, if you didn't, if you follow up with them, you have such a high chance of retaining them. If you don't follow up with them, there's like no chance, you know, you have to follow up. So guest callback, a uh, text to just be like, Hey, I'm just thinking about you. I want to make sure you like your hair whatever, whatever. And if they say, oh my God, I love it, blah, blah, blah. Send them a link that says, thank you so much. If you have time, consider writing me a review. You can do that with every single one of your guests. The guest follow-up is such an, an expert move. It's just such an expert move. So many people don't have time and I get it. But if you can make the time instead of sitting on TikTok for two hours or sitting on Instagram for two hours to like really look at your business and cherish it, like cherish those people who who come to you and just provide that extra level of service. Yeah. You might have some redos and you might have some adjustments and you might have some questions, uh, from your client base, but you're going to have rocking like retention. Right. And these are just tips. You know, I can teach you so many ways to just psychologically, like they'll be addicted to your service. Like they're never going anywhere else. Um, but that's for a different class. Let's see. Cindy said, I want to open a micro salon by next year because I'm turning business away that I could be passing on to other stylists that work with me. I'm currently in a salon suite with little to no additional space for even an assistant. Yeah. I think just moving to a bigger suite would be awesome. Or you can find like, I, I tell people like people who don't want to have a huge salon, find like a thousand square feet, 800 square feet, pop a few chairs in there, rent them out and just do your, do hair. A small space with not that many people is fine. Once you get over like, um, sorry about that. Once you get over like eight people, it starts to get a little hairy. So like between eight and 25 people is like hard. Once you get past like 25, 30 people, like you're in a community, it's easier. It's like, you know, you get to worry about cleaning, but typically like a community will function as a community. Like people want to fit, people don't want to mess up. Um, and it's, it's a community that small, small team of like zero to eight people is pretty easy because you can keep track of everybody, but the eight to 24, it's like small and not big enough. 
it's like a weird place. And every time I had smaller teams, we killed it. And now having the community, it's just way easier, but I would love to offer this, um, to any salon owners, um, on the chat right now, or salon owners who, or people who want to be salon owners, I saw, and I'm going to do this today at my team meeting. I saw this brilliant exercise, saw it on TikTok. Um, and I just loved it. I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And if I were an employee-based salon owner, I would do this every single month. Okay. So it was a teacher and all the teachers are coming back from spring break. And she said, if you're a teacher, stop and watch this video. She's like, if you are coming back from spring break, before you go back, I want you to sit down with a pen and a paper. And I want you to make a list of every single one of your students. No cheating. You have to make a list. By the end of it, you're going to be missing one or two people. And you're going to be like, who the fuck am I missing? And then you're going to go look and you're going to be like, oh my God, duh. Like, of course. That is the person that's slipping through the cracks. That is the person that needs your support right now. That is the person should be the first person you check in with when you get back. So I'm going to be doing that exercise with my team this morning, uh, this afternoon for our team meeting. I'm just going to, cause we have a team meeting every single week, me and my two managers, and I want them to learn this exercise to be mindful. And even though we have a booth rental business, like it really is none of my business, like, but I make it my business to just check in. So some very like emotionally intelligent managers and some very mindful and very like empathetic managers, the person that needs the most will come right to them. Right. They're like worried about them. But the people who we don't even think of, the people who come last, the people who we like leave out, those are the people that you should check in with. And I just thought it was a wonderful exercise. I thought it was so cool. I love shit like that, like leadership, stuff like that. Um, And I know it's for a teacher and students, but I think it could really ring well for cultures and teams. So love that. Now let's see, we've got some more questions in the chat. Thank you all for asking your questions. Jenny said, thanks. I have a huge idea now. So I'm working to scale that back and finish paying my last bit of debt and save before I grow. Yeah. I really recommend saving. Um, I'm not trying to be negative Nancy, like, or a Debbie Downer, but, um, winter is coming. Like everything's going like well right now, but there's gotta be some kind of crash or financial situation coming um, save your money, like save it, all of it. Um, when times get hard, if you're in a great financial position, that's when you should buy, right? Like when the stock market crashes, if you have money, that's, that's where the rich get rich, right? Like they have the money to buy things when it tanks and then it grows up. When real estate tanks, you have the money, you're going to buy when things go up. And I don't mean hesitate and not do anything, but don't overextend yourself to the point where you're struggling. Like start small. There's no shame in starting small. I started with eight, I started with 1600 square feet in the top floor of this nasty ass building that had the pizza place downstairs. It was like in the shitty part of town, you know, and it was disgusting. Okay. It was all carpets. Like I, I started really, really small 
And I got to where I was meant to be by working really, really hard. And I, every minute of it was a gift. Like the business you have today might not be the business you have in 20 years. Like if you asked me, if you told me I was going to close GBH when I was in it, I would be like, you're no, I would just be like, no, like you have no idea like what you're talking about. And Victor Val, one of my mentors told me I had five brands before I had cut house. And it really clicked. That statement changed my life because it clicked. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is forever. You're not, you're not like, you are not your business. It's a business, right? You know, I hope that there's a network in all 50 States. Like I say it all the time and maybe there will be, um, or maybe there won't be right. I, I mean, I'm fully like looking in that direction in this moment in time, that's where I'm looking right now, but you never know what could happen. So starting small, there's no shame in starting small. You're going to get experience. You're going to make a lot more money. If you're a small speedboat, you go faster, right? Small and nimble. If you're a big ship and you've got too much overhead, something happens. It's really hard to turn, right? Nick Orojo told me that. And he said, that's one of the hardest things for him is he's huge. He's got a shitload of overhead. He was paying $7,000 a day when the pandemic happened in rent. $7,000 a day in rent with his salons and schools. Could you imagine? Could you imagine paying $7,000 a day in overhead? Right? So it's just something to think about. There's no shame in starting small. You can always expand and grow. You can always sell your business. You know, if you treat your business like you want to sell it, then you're a true own business owner. Because if you were treating your business like you were getting ready to sell it at all times, it would be perfect. Think about having a car. You know, you have a car and if you were about to sell it, it would be detailed, it would be pristine, all everything would be done on it. You know, it would always be looking ready to sell. Everything would be way better if we thought of it like that, because it's not saying we're going to sell it, but you treat it like a business you would have a handbook, you would have systems, uh, you would have something worth buying that someone would look at and be like, oh, there's real value here. There's profit here. Right. So there's just so many options out there. Let's see. Aloysia said, I'm going to try to be there. I really want to experience the networks vibe. And Jenny said, for what it's worth, I'm exactly here for your business education. Angela, Angela said, I'm obsessed with your business classes. Um, love you guys so much. I love teaching business, but you know, I've been over the years, I put on some business classes and they're amazing. Like the people who come are like, this is amazing. Keep doing this. Um, but you know, they're always like way harder to sell because I feel like hairstylists, like hairstylists don't need another technique. Like you can watch on YouTube. Like there's so many techniques out there. Like, but if I could teach you how to make more money and create a profitable business, like that has so much more value in my opinion. Like we don't need another technique. Um, I'm just more passionate about it, but it's always harder to sell them. It's always harder to fill a business class. And I don't understand why hairstylists, uh, feel they need more technique. You know, I, I don't, I get it. But like, I really feel like it's so, so needed. So I hope that the culture changes one day. We'll see. 
Angela said, are renter salons profitable or more about just creating and having control of the environment? So you can make them profitable. Let's see. You can make them profitable 100%. Um, I just have to say that depending on your overhead, if you're renting out the chairs, you got to look at it. And in the last power session, in the last class we did, the business of booth rental, that power session that we did, the Q&A session, we talked about exactly how to calculate booth rent. So when, if you go back and watch the end of the video, Morgan asked about um, calculating it. And I went through and I opened a spreadsheet and I broke down all of the expenses in the salon, plus a profit, plus the owner's salary. If you divide it up and you get a chair rental price that's competitive for your area, you're golden, right? But you need a lot of chairs because say your overhead plus profit plus pay, all of that is like $100,000 and you only have two chairs. What are you going to charge? $50,000 a chair? Like you need a lot of chairs. So I feel like the more space, space is luxury, right? Space is luxury. So if you can get the highest profit margin for the chair and add as much value to each chair so that it's absolutely crazy not to rent that chair, then you're killing it. And then you can create other revenue streams like retail, education, um, pro-use sales. Like you can create all different kinds of revenue streams. You could do education. You can open a fucking jewelry store. Um, we opened the yoga studio. I'm opening a crystal shop eventually. You know, we're going to have all of that. I'd love to do clothing, apparel, all that. I want to make slides, like shoes, those sandals. Like there's so many things I want to do and I can because I'm not really focused on the customer. I'm focused on the stylist and making sure they're good. So my headspace, and I'm not behind the chair. Your other revenue stream could just be you behind the chair, which is fine. So there's a lot of space to like grow, but it takes an entrepreneurial person, you know, or you can rent out your chairs, figure out the perfect number to be making money. And then you can work behind the chair 30 hours a week and make another 100, 150, 200,000. Like you can make a lot of money, especially working with an assistant, right? So you can do it. Is it profitable? Not for everybody. If you don't have enough chairs, if you've got a small amount of chairs and they're not priced correctly, you know, it's just overhead at that point. So Loisa, when we were back, when we were talking about doing guest callbacks, she said, this has resulted in adjustments for me because of guest callbacks and resulted in the most loyal pre-booked guests. So when you call and care, they will come back and you're building that relationship. I love that. Cindy said, when should I start searching slash marketing to stylists in the area? Um, when the salon is done, if you can't afford the salon by yourself, behind the chair, don't open it. If you cannot afford that place with everything empty and it only being you, don't open it. If the network closed or if, if every stylist from the network left, I would still be able to afford my overhead or else I would not have it. It would be really hard. But if I had a space that I could not handle, if every single person left, I would be screwed. So when the place is done, I would work in it for a little bit and I would start like maybe putting it out there when it's done, have a professional photo shoot and start putting it out there. Good to know. I'm interested in a micro salon, three chairs. Also, I'm not sure if I want to do commission or renter. So it really is up to you and what kind of lifestyle you want to live. 
She said, I wish you had a salon in Cali. I hope we have a network in all 50 states. And who's going to open them? Not me. I mean, I hope you guys open them someday. Would love to franchise it. I mean, I don't want to be on site at all. Maybe I'll go and do classes there, but I would like it to be a franchise model. I do not want to open another location unless it was 30 minutes from me. I would not open another location in another state. Absolutely not. Um, just not the life I want to live. I don't want to have to be in two places at once. I already have to be in like eight places at once. And then when I have kids, it's going to be probably like 20 places at once. So I just don't want to even go there. <sighs> awesome. Exactly why I'm doing a micro salon after managing other salons. I've seen the rise and fall of salons. Yeah, you've seen it. So what other questions do y'all have? It's about 1042. We are usually on for about 90 minutes and I'll just keep answering any questions that you have. And we'll just kind of move into like, if anyone has other questions, it does not have to be booth rental related. I'm going to stop the recording now. And I hope that, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you enjoyed the business of booth rental, I hope that you enjoyed this whole course. I hope that you uh, got a lot from it and I wish you nothing but the best on your journey. So uh, good luck to you and please join us in Mastermind. We'd love to see you here and we're going to move on to the rest of our power session.